All right, take your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 28. One of the best chapters in the whole Bible, as Mike would say. Y'all know Mike thinks every chapter that he reads is the best one from the Bible that day, whatever he's reading. So he always goes, this is the best scripture, one of my favorite scriptures. Well, Matthew 28 is one of my favorite scriptures, and it talks very clearly in part of this section that we're in right now called the resurrection power and purpose. What's the whole purpose? Is it so that we can have Cadbury eggs on the Easter or so that we could actually have some kind of fun pink shirt on or something that we would wear. How many of y'all get a new Easter outfit every Easter? Anybody get a new Easter outfit? Does anyone ever used to do that? My mother always did that. We always had a new Easter something, right? Why don't you raise your hand, Edwin? You... Whose mother put them in an Easter costume every stinking Easter? Raise your hand, right? New shirt, new tie. Some of y'all just missed out, didn't you? Who didn't, all right, let's just go ahead and go to you downers. Who didn't get that growing up? I'm sorry. <laughs> Even this color shirt, this was an Easter shirt probably a couple years ago. I don't know. You know, Derek talked about men eating in the container. We probably would eat and clean lawnmowers at the same time, right? And we keep the same shirts forever today too, right? So I have to look on Facebook to see what I wore last week so I don't wear it again two weeks in a row. So somebody says, hey, you wore that last week. Not that I would care, but just for the sake of my wife's social standing, I don't wear the same thing twice. <laughs> so, well, listen, let's take our Bibles today. And, and one other quick note, we were talking about leaves this morning. What do people pay lots of money for to go up to the Blue Ridge during the fall to see? Leaves. And they say they've got to go between this certain time to this certain time to see what? Not the food. Foliage. Leaves. And I'm of the opinion that leaves are beautiful. So when you ride by my house, everybody on our street has raked their yard except me. <laughs> leaves are like flowers to me. And they're on my yard. My neighbor said, over, he, he, when are you going to rake your yard? I said, I'm not. I said, God made trees and God made leaves. And leaves are made to do what? Fall. And when they fall, what are they supposed to do? Break down and make the soil rich so that more things can grow, right? So if you rake your yard, you're doing a disservice to the yard. That's my opinion. I'm sticking to it. So if you ride by my house and say the pastor needs to rake his yard, don't touch it. Because you drive to North Carolina to see that mess. Drive by my yard, you can see it every, it's a beautiful color of brown across my yard. And I love it. That's, you know why that came from? Actually, when we were raised as kids, we had oak trees galore. And there's always leaves to rake. And for some reason, my mother, when we came to Aiken, always found the oldest lady who had never raked her leaves in 15 years and decided that would be a good job for her son to go rake leaves. So I've been in leaf piles up to my, past my knees trying to rake them out of old ladies' yards. So uh, I think leaves are beautiful. Therefore, please don't rake my yard or don't complain about the pastor's yard. Think how beautiful brown my yard is when yours is green, okay? All right, today's lesson, let's get into the Scripture. Scripture is going to talk to us directly today, y'all. That's the way the Lord likes to speak to us anyway. Don't you know that? Resurrection power and purpose. Today's sermon title is really hard. It's go, go, go. Can you say that with me? I didn't say it yet. Ready? Say it with me. Ready? Go, go, go. And it's emphatic. Go, go, go. And I want you to see that the disciples, the ladies understood it and the men understood it. And there's only one complication, it seems like today, is we don't understand it. So when we look at the Word of God, I want you to make personal application when we get to the end because there's going to be a question for us to answer is, if the women at the tomb understood it and the men who were his disciples understood it, 
What's the problem with us today? You say, well, we understand it. We just don't do what? Obey it. That's exactly right. Let's read together. Now, after the Sabbath, what day is the Sabbath? The Saturday. So what day is he talking about? So why don't they just say Sunday, right? Sometimes I ask the question, why don't you just say Sunday and put the date there? Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. If we said there was a great earthquake at 250 Town Creek Road today, what would we do? If the, if the place started shaking violently today, what would you do? Put a book, yeah, they told us to put a book over our head, right? Get your history book and put it on your head and squat in the hall, right? Let me encourage you, if the, if the earthquake comes, you might run right into the earthquake like uh, the sons of Korah did, uh, but I'm getting out of the building. I don't care how much steel and, and cement's in this building. I'll take my chances out there, right? So get out of the place. So would we understand if the place, if a violent earthquake struck right now, would you and I understand that it was an earthquake? Yes or no? Well, these people are no different. Just because it's a different time, they understood when the ground shook, God was making it shake, right? They didn't know about probably all the different seismic. They didn't have the way to measure. They didn't understand all the earth tectonic plates. They didn't understand maybe all of that. But they understand God was moving the earth when it moved, and there was, the Bible calls it a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door, and then he sat on it. Now, other gospels, if you go back and look, I gave you the references today, will say there's a couple of angels. Can there be two angels, and you talk about one of them? Yeah, so just use a little logic when you read it. It's not a contradiction in Scripture. It's actually them telling the story from their perspective under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Well, here's what he looked like. Verse 3, his countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards, these are the guards that the Pharisees had put there, that the Sadducees had put there saying, listen, remember they went to Pilate? You go back and read the story. Hey, he said he's going to rise again the third day and we're afraid his disciples are going to come steal the body. Therefore, we need to post guards. And he said, you post guards if you're concerned about it. And who do you think they put? Their best guards or their weakest guards? They put their very best because they want to make sure that body's not coming out of that tomb, right? And not only that, they sealed the tomb with the wax seal, if you will, of Rome. It was sealed by the government shut. There was protection because they were afraid that the disciples would come and steal his body and say the end result was worse than the beginning. Well, do we have news for them, right? We have the historical record here. The end was worse for their cause than the beginning. Let's continue. And the guards, they shook a fear of him and became like dead men. They felt the earthquake. They saw the men that looked as if they were dressed in lightning. But the angel said, uh, answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Why would an angel of God say, Do not be afraid? Because they were just as afraid as the, the guards that fell to the ground, they were just, it was human nature to fear holiness. Do you understand that? Uh, we're not perfect anymore. We're not in a perfect state. So when we encounter an angel or we encounter a holy God and, and they revealed their, their glory is shown, the Shekinah glory of God, like Moses had to veil his face. He had to, something happens when we encounter holiness like this that it causes us as sinful humans to fall down to be very afraid. So the unbelieving guards, very afraid. The believing women, very afraid. You understand? So what's the audience temperature? If we suck our finger in the temperature, they are what? 
very afraid. The angel says, he didn't tell the men, don't be afraid. He tells the ladies there, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Verse 6, he is not here, for he is risen, as he said, or God raised him from the dead, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Verse 7, what did the angels tell the women to do? That's our first go. Go where, specifically? To Galilee, to tell the disciples to go to Galilee, to the place that Jesus had preordained or pre-prepared for them to go. Because you're going to see that. So go tell the disciples to get up and go to Galilee. There they're going to meet Christ. Well, they were very obedient. They Watch what the Bible says, verse 8. When, when the angel of God said go, look what they did, verse 8. So they, we would say they got up and went. But the Bible says they went out quickly, quickly. How do you go quickly? You run. So they ran from the tomb with fear and great joy. Now what fear is this? It's the fear of God. Now it's gone from I'm afraid of the angelic angelic being. I'm afraid that he's going to strike me dead because holiness is encountering sinfulness. And now the fear is he's alive. How do we even process this? And they're running. And then you can imagine they're ladies, so they're talking, right, or yelling. And they're, they're headed out. They're going quickly to the disciples. We know where they're going. They ran to bring his disciples the word. Verse 9. And as the disciples, and as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus wanted to give them a bonus by today. Look what happened. Jesus met them saying, rejoice. Do you think they're already rejoicing? Oh, they were excited, right? The Bible tells us they were full of that righteous fear. They're, wow, God has done this thing. And Jesus gives them a breather because they're running, and he just stops them and says, hey, rejoice. Do you think they had a problem praising the Lord there? What happens to us today when we talk about rejoice? We read that in Scripture. What do we do? So why do we go, praise him, praise God. Lord, I don't praise you. Do you think they were quiet? They were loud. They, they're running. They're almost out of breath. They're in fear of the holy God. They're excited about what's happening. He said he was going to rise in three days. The angel said he's risen. He's not there. We're going to tell the disciples. We're going to Galilee. Listen, we can't wait to get the word out. Now watch what happens. This is exciting. He says, rejoice. So they came and they held him by his feet. And what did they do when they encountered the Lord Jesus Christ? They worshiped him. That, to fall down, to bow before the holy God of heaven. Verse 10, then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Here's the next one. What is it? Go and tell my brethren, my brothers, to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Well, Galilee was a pretty big area, so if he said go to Achan. Would they know where to go? He told them specifically where to go. Go to 250 Town Creek Road. The same thing on your GPS. Listen, whenever you punch it in, it tells you where to go, Right? Well, the Lord had already pre-calculated this journey. He says, on the resurrection, you will meet me on the mountain in Galilee. Go there. And it's probably a place I'd visited many times. And so what happens? Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now, while they were going, and how are they going? Full speed, right? Behold, some of the guard 
came into the city and reported to the chief priest all the things that had happened. What things had they seen? They had seen the earthquake. Uh, they had seen the man that looked as if he was, or the men dressed in, in lightning clothes. They were bright. They were fearful. They told the story. We could not even lift our heads because we were so fearful. This thing was from heaven for sure because it picked the stone, that large stone that men would have to roll into place. It picked it up. And the Bible talks about it actually being picked up. It's almost like a wrestling term. That stone was picked up and body slammed out of the way. And God was demonstrating his power, not so that Jesus could get out. Don't ever be fooled by that. Now, Jesus was gone. It, this was a show and tell. This was like, listen, let me let you in. Sinful people, let me let you in so you can see. Come look where he lay. Why could they look where he lay? Because he was not there. So the angel didn't let Jesus out because Jesus has got that new body. Y'all know that new body, right? If you read the Bible, he could walk through walls. And he did walk through walls. He could still eat. He did eat with his disciples. He's got that new body, that resurrected body. He's not there. So don't ever let anyone tell you that the stone was removed so that Jesus could get out. Jesus was not there. He is risen just as he said. Amen? And by the way, he's still risen today, just for the record. We should show a little more excitement and rejoice, shouldn't we? He's risen just as he said. Well, let's continue to look. Watch what happens. So the guard go in and tell the chief priests, and when they had assembled, verse 12, with the elders and consulted together. This is a whole bunch of men. They gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. Y'all, if you go back and look, what was the whole purpose that they actually put a guard at the tomb anyway? Hey, can you post our best men there so that his disciples don't come and steal the body? And the government agreed, put your best there. So they had prepared for this action of an overtaking, if you will, of the body of Jesus Christ. So now to go back and say that you were not prepared for it, it sounds just like government, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound like government leaders? Just, just I know we said we were, were paying an extra money to have this place secured and prepared, but just tell them it wasn't secured and prepared. Just tell them you fell asleep and watch what's going to happen. And this would have normally cost a soldier his life. You tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. This is the religious rulers, very tightly knit with the, the government rulers. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Verse 16, it gets good. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. Do you understand? I kind of let the cat out of the bag earlier. How did they know where to go? Jesus told them. He told them not even just go to Galilee, not just go to the mountains, go to this place. And brothers and sisters, let me tell you this morning, when God's working in your life, you say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I don't know what college. I don't know, if, should I marry, should I not marry? If you just get quiet and listen, the master still speaks today, and he'll tell you very specifically what you're supposed to do, when you're supposed to do it. You're going to make that decision. Whatever decision you're trying to make, you will make that decision. You might make a right decision or a wrong decision. But if you depend wholly on the master, he'll never let you make a mistake in the sense of making the decision he wants you to make. Always his will, his way. Well, let's continue. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to that place. When they saw him, they worshipped him. Same thing the women did. They worshipped him. 
But look at the sad news. But some did what? This is his disciples. This is not some pagan people. This is men who walked with him in potentially larger crowd. It could have been more than just the original 11. You think the, the women stayed back? Would you have stayed back, ladies, if you, you knew that you were spoken to by an angel, you were spoken to by the Christ himself, and said, tell the brothers to meet me at the place I told them to meet me? Would you stay back? Not a chance, right? Not a chance. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So, so shall it be. I want you to see today in the Word, as we look at our notes for a moment, I want you to see some practical things that God's speaking to His disciples, but also speaking to you and me today. I think we can just read the story, and it just comes and goes. Maybe not Easter bunnies, but we read the story, and it becomes just old hat to us that, oh, yeah, Jesus resurrected. I've heard that before a thousand times. But we must live with purpose and in power of the resurrection. God's given you his holy power to live this life. The power, by the way, Romans 1, 16 and 17, is in the gospel, right? Did you know that? The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. You say, what day did he die? Well, has anybody ever figured, it, figured that out? Uh, people talk about double Sabbaths. There's a lot of things we can talk about. I'm not really concerned what day he was crucified. Are you? You say, well, I just want to know. Well, do some math, okay? Let me tell you what day he was resurrected. Sunday. Sunday. And so what we have to do is do what? Take the word of God. He said how many days? Three days. And we say, oh, it's three days. Back to Thursday. Or back to, some people go back to Wednesday. Some people go back to Friday. Because we call it Good Friday, so it's got to be Friday, right? Well, the Jewish people counted the evening starting at 6 to the next day at 6 as the day. Because when God created the heavens and the earth, he created evening and morning. Go back and look at Genesis 1. He created evening and morning, which was the first day. You and I say, good morning. This is the start of a new day. We, got a, we have a 24-hour clock that we say we start the morning and then night. We call that a day. We call Monday the beginning in the morning until the next day at Tuesday. The Jewish calendar, the Jewish clock goes from Genesis 1. The Hebrews go from 6 in the afternoon until 6 the next day. Did y'all know that? So the Sabbath is for specifically for the Jewish people, right? And let me just tell you this. Today, Sunday, is called the Lord's Day. It's called the Lord's Day because it was the day it was, he was resurrected. And John talked about it in Revelation. It's really only one reference. says, I was in the Lord's Day when he had this vision. John talks about it in the book of Revelation. That's the only real reference we have to it. But when I was growing up, I was always taught that Sunday was the Christian Sabbath. You can't fish. You can't think about washing your car. You can't do anything. You can't rake leaves, right? Praise God for that one. You, you can't do anything on Sunday besides do what? Eat and sleep. Now, my mother slaved like, an, like one of the slaves in the kitchen cooking like crazy. And I never figured out why is she doing all that work, right? And, but I enjoyed it. I'm glad she did. And then on, sometimes on Sunday nights, we'd stop by Pizza Hut. I could never put it together in my little kid's mind, but what, how could we do that and not do what we wanted to do? And it's because we'd made rules up, right? And there'd been people passed. How many of you guys have ever heard that Sunday is the Christian Sabbath? Raise your hand if you've heard that before. Just look around. It's, okay, uh, you can check it. It's not. 
It is the Lord's day. It is the first day of the week. It was the day that the Lord Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, but it is not a Christian Sabbath. Should you have one day out of seven that you rest? Yes, you should rest one day out of seven because God ordained that the human body would be built that way, that we would rest. He blessed Saturday, if you will. He blessed the seventh day and called it holy. Go back and look at it. And Jesus came back and said, you guys do error. The Lord made the Sabbath for mankind. He did not make mankind for the Sabbath. And Paul talked about worshiping and celebrating certain days. Some people do, some people don't. He said, don't judge anybody else. Don't look to them and say, one day is better than another. Our friends who are Seventh-day Adventists, they'll get all carried away. Anybody grew up with Seventh-day Adventist background or no friends who are? Uh, they get carried away. It's the Sabbath. Saturday is the Sabbath. We must worship on Saturday. My neighbor used to come across and go, why are you cutting your grass on the Sabbath? I was like, why don't you cut the grass on the Lord's Day? He said, what are you talking about? I said, well, John talked about it. Jesus was resurrected on, on the Sabbath. They believe still try to follow the old law and throw a little bit of grace, just a little bit in there. They believe Saturday is the day of worship for Christians. But we see the Jewish people, even Jesus, the people that followed him, they were all Jewish. What day are they worshiping him as you keep moving? Sunday, right. Did they still go to, uh, to, to hang out in the, some of the synagogues on Saturday? Yes. They didn't lose their identity because they became Christians. Uh, they still love some of the traditions and still festivals. Should we celebrate the festivals today? If you feel like it, by absolute means, celebrate with your Jewish brothers and sisters the festivals. Did Jesus celebrate Hanukkah? That makes sense, does it? It feels like that's a, new, that's a new celebration. But it was actually something that Jesus, the Festival of Lights, he celebrated Hanukkah. Does that mess your mind up? With a, with, a, with a practical English word that we use today versus something that Jesus actually would have celebrated? Look it up. you got to go back and we just preached it a couple weeks ago. Some of you are looking at me like, What? Go look and look at this to the sermons. Look at your notes. I want you to see these things. The resurrection power and purpose, this is the go, go, go of Scripture. And I gave you the other, uh, they call synoptic gospels. Mark, Luke, and John also reference this. They give a little more detail, a different detail. And I was listening to a, a private investigator not long ago. He's now a forensic investigator of Scripture. I don't know what that is. But he said, somebody says, well, how come, somebody might say that, well, all four of the gospels say the similar thing, but they don't tell the same story. They tell it differently. Were they inspired by the Holy Spirit? Yes, we know that because the Bible says so. He said, if there were not differences in their stories, we would not have believed that they actually wrote them originally because if you see an accident or you see someone that actually says, I saw that, and you ask five people what they saw, what would they see? Five different things, depending on what time they came up on the accident or they saw it before it, during it, or were in it, or after it, right? If you drive up on an accident, some of you are first responders, you can make an assumption what happened, right? But when you start studying the facts of the, of the actual accident, what you'll find out is your assumptions were wrong because it, this thing happened. There's this X variable, right? This thing happened, and we didn't know about that. Tire blue, whatever it might be. So this forensic investigator said it's good that there's differences when you study the Scripture when it deals with the same subject matter because it shows that humans actually wrote it with their perspective, obviously under the Holy Spirit's guidance and inspiration. We'll look in the notes. The Word of God takes us to a not-so-distant Sunday morning. This is a Sunday morning event. A couple of devoted women who desired to express their love for Jesus brought spices to his burial tomb to complete the process of anointing his body and burial. 
In their surprise, they encountered the supernatural power of God. Wouldn't you like to have been there today, that day? Would you, oh, here's a question. Would you have liked to have been there that day, or would you like to be here today? Which one would you rather be? Have their place or your place? I'd much rather be here because we have all the scripture hadn't been written yet. The New Testament scriptures hadn't been written. Paul has not penned the 13 epistles that he would write. Revelation has not been written yet. I would much rather live today knowing the living Lord Jesus, being inspired, being filled with the Holy Spirit of God today than being there. Now, being there would have been awesome to see Jesus face to face, would it not? And that day is coming for all of us if you're a believer. We will see him face to face. We will know him as he's known. He will know us. It's going to be a sweet day when we get to heaven, right? Do you ever sing when we all get to heaven when y'all were kids? Whoever sang that song? When we all get to where? What, what's it going to be? What did we say it was going to be? What a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, what's going to happen? We're going to sing and shout the victory, right? Maybe even Baptists will shout in heaven. All right, I want you to see this in your notes. God demonstrated his mighty wonders when he shook the earth twice in the same weekend. I gave you the reference there, Matthew 27. He shook the earth on Jesus' death. When Jesus died on the cross, he shook the ground. He tore the, the temple, if you would. He tore the, the Holy of Holies in half to demonstrate, now you have access. So there was an earthquake, if you will, on Thursday or Friday. And now there's this great earthquake again on Sunday. Some people said, that's an aftershock. I don't think it was an afterthought, right? I'm sure God planned it because God wanted to announce, hey, something supernatural has happened, and he ripped the ground. If you looked at when Jesus died on the cross, the Roman soldier, had he, he was a centurion. He was in charge of 100 men. What did he say? After the ground shook, the, the sky turned black for hours, and Jesus continued to offer forgiveness. And when he says it is finished, this man who was in charge, this Rome, he didn't just become that overnight. It wasn't necessarily just a political thing. He was a hardened soldier who had who, he'd fought many wars, many battles, and he's sitting there at the cross. He's in charge of 100 men, and it says all those with him looked and said, and he said this, surely this was the Son of God. He's been through earthquakes before. Anybody been through major earthquakes? I know we got people from all different places. California, yeah. Shake, rattle, and rolls. Uh, we don't have too many here, right? If, it, if there's a little bit of a tremble somewhere, somebody says, they put on Facebook, did y'all have some weird kind of movement today, right? Somebody sends a text. Uh, we don't really know if it, we have earthquakes or not. We just wait for the news to tell us that there was an earthquake. These people knew when the earth was moving, right? So much so that it gets listed in the canons of Scripture that there were two earthquakes that weekend. Uh, the resurrection weekend, there were two major earthquakes that happened. Well, let's continue. As you look and see, the mighty wonders, he shook the earth twice that same weekend Matthew 7, 27 is the other reference. God sent his holy messengers to proclaim his power to raise his son from the dead. You know what Romans 10, 9? Go there with me. If you ever mark your Bibles, go to Romans 10 with me, if you would. Just for a moment. Side note. But it's very important for you to know this Easter season. Turn there and look at this. So important for us to know. And I would encourage you to memorize it. But pick up in verse, let's pick up in verse 8. I put verse 9 in your notes, but pick up verse 8. But what does it say? Oh, if you're there, say amen. I shouldn't start without you. I hear pages. I like to hear. It's awesome to hear pages turning. All right, verse 8. Romans 10, verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth, watch this. This is awesome. How awesome God is. I know this is elementary 101, but would you take your finger and point to your mouth? 
that if you confess with your mouth, and somebody's going to say, what if you're deaf? Okay, then you confess with your fingers. All right? That if you confess with your mouth, watch this, and you believe. Where? You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart. That's not that beating muscle in your chest. That's not this thing. It's not thumper in here. This is your soul. This is the very inmost being of who you are, that if you believe with all of your heart, with your emotions, your will, if you believe with all that you are, the Clint Smith is inside of me, here's what i got to believe. Watch this. If you believe with all your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be, say it, church, saved. Say it like you mean it. You will be what? Saved. This is the truth in the Word of God. It's as simple as if you confess with your mouth. You speak the truth with your mouth, and you believe with all that you are that God raised Jesus from the dead. If you confess the Lord Jesus Christ, he says on the authority of his word, you will be saved. How long will you be saved for? For all of eternity. That's the power of the resurrection. Amen? That's the keeping power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has all authority in heaven and earth, the Bible says. Well, look, watch this, verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek, or the Jew and the Gentile. That's the Jews and all of us. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what, church? Saved. In this beautiful power, this is wonder-working power that's found only in the blood of Jesus Christ. We don't serve a dead Savior. We don't serve a dead God. How miserable must our friends be who have all those false religions? They have to do and do something else and do something else. And Jesus said, it is finished. It is done. Believe upon me. Confess with your mouth. Jesus is Lord. You believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. You will be saved. That's a commitment from God to you. That's a pretty awesome commitment. And some people come back and say, well, I just don't understand. That's a stupid comment, just for the record. I, I showed you, watch, where's your mouth? If you truly believe Jesus is Lord, listen, we celebrate it every single year. If, you, if you're not a Christian today, I'm going to ask you to do something. Stop celebrating Christmas and stop celebrating Easter. Stop it. Because you're a fake and you can't fake it till you make it in Christendom. Did you know that? Just stop it. Be, be, be something else. Celebrate something different. But if you're a Christian today, listen. Stand up at, at Christmas and say, He came. Emmanuel, God came to earth to save us sorry sinners. Amen? Aren't we sorry? He came. And on Easter, listen, some 30-something years later, 33 years later, he died an innocent lamb of God on a cross that should have been my cross. He died that terrible death. God turned his back on him and put, if you will, all of our sins on him that day. Your sins and my sins that we might have purpose and we might have power to live this life. We call it Christian life because he said, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you to the end of the age. And when's the age going to end? From the south, we said, ain't never going to end, Right? It's not going to ever end. If, this, if you die today, guess what? Tomorrow's coming. Every single one of you, if you die right now, right here, right now, if you die right here, right now, tomorrow's coming. You're going to wake up in heaven or you're going to wake up in hell. Tomorrow's coming. Are you going to wake up here on earth? There's only three places tomorrow you're going to wake up off your pillow. Amen? You don't have a choice in the matter either, by the way, just for the record. 
If God draws you to himself, then you can choose, right? He'll draw you to himself. You hear the truth? I want some of that. What a fool you would have to be not to want to go to heaven. You know what you like? You like your sin too much. You like your pride too much. You like doing all that nasty stuff that you do too much to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ because then you have to be one of those people that you made fun of, those goody-goodies, those holier-than-thous. Aren't you glad to be a goody-goody, holier-than-thou? Woo! Amen. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Thank God I'm saved. I was saved at age, truly saved, knowing that I was saved at age 21. I was a sailor. And guess what we get the credit for? He cusses like a what? Only away from your mama, though. You can't do it around your mama. He cusses like a sailor. I was a professional sailor in my language. Here's what I want you to understand. I know what it's like to be lost. And praise God, I know what it's like to be saved. I don't ever want to go back. Not for the millions of dollars, not for the things that the people are, the trappings of this world people are chasing. I don't want to go back. It's not worth it. These soldiers said, I'll take that money. I'll take the silver just like Judas did. Let's betray him. Let's tell a lie for the money. And where did it leave them? I guarantee those jokers are sitting in hell today with nothing in their hand besides counting. One, three, four. We sold the truth. For 30 pieces of silver. That was kind of the ping out that they did. Judas, you can imagine he's looking down, counting the coins. One, two, three, for all of eternity. One, three. I sold the Son of God for 30 pieces of silver. You look at the rich man in hell, we got a, just a glimpse in hell. He never says, hey, I don't deserve to be here. Get me out of this place. I was a good man. I gave the charities. The only thing he says is, Go tell my brothers, don't come here. They don't want to come here. Everybody in hell is an evangelist. Did you know that? If we could pull everybody out of hell, they would preach the gospel, say, listen, listen, God of the Old Testament is the same of God of the New Testament. You must come to him by faith, by faith alone. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. What he says is true. Could you imagine if you could just listen for hell for a moment? Mark and I were talking before church, and, and we talked about the, uh, the hell. Everybody's worried what happened to Jesus when he died. Uh, the Apostles' Creed said he went down into hell, and everybody's like, our Lord can't go to hell. Watch this. Let me, just t- let me just ease you in case you've ever never studied that. Who created hell? God. So could God step into hell? I don't think he actually went to the fireside, but he created it, right? There's no place he's not. He went down to the place of the righteous dead. We call it Sheol, hell, that King James called all different names, the pit. He walked down to there. When he died on the cross, he truly did die. He went down into the righteous dead. I believe Abraham's bosom, paradise, whatever you like to choose, whatever word you like to choose, the place. Just remember this. There was only two places, the place of the righteous dead and the place of the unrighteous dead. That's all there is. Whatever the title has on it, just remember that. He went down to, I believe, the place of the righteous dead and said, Hey, fellas, I am who I said I am. Amen? Look, check it out. Y'all want to see the holes in my hand? I am who I said I am. And I think he turned to that great gulf where the rich man, Jesus told us the story, spoke to Abraham and said, Hey, send Lazarus to tell my brothers. I believe if he didn't cross over, I believe he stood there where they could see him and say, Listen, I am who I said I was. I am. I am. The great I am. 
They were convicted in knowing who he was. They were convicted in knowing who he was. They're celebrating. They're moaning and complaining. Listen, there's a cry that goes out for all of eternity. Why do we not choose him? Why do we not choose him? Why do we go after the stuff of this world? And then he takes paradise, if you will. And wherever God is, that's where Jesus is because the Bible says he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And by the way, Jesus is God. So that's when Paul could say, from absent from the body, present with the Lord. Wherever Jesus is, that's where I go when I die. He said, well, I don't understand all the details. Well, God didn't give you all the details. So welcome to the club. Don't go looking for something that he didn't want you to know. If we knew all the details of heaven, I guarantee we'd all be jumping off bridges. We'd get saved and go jump off the bridge, right? No, do. I threw my glasses. All right. Thanks, Mike. We would kill ourselves immediately after becoming Christians if we knew how good it was. Amen? But he wants us to stay here and live out a righteous life, and then hereafter have all of eternity in righteousness. What an awesome God we serve. Let's, let me go quick to the notes, because I haven't even got to the notes. Let's get started. Whew. The unrighteous guard, guards felt the first and second earthquake, but fell to the ground as dead men when they saw the bright light, bright as lightning angels. That's what I call them, the, the lightning angels. The angels of the Lord encouraged the women to put away their fear and take a look into the empty tomb of the resurrected Lord. This is where he lay. This is past tense. He was here for three days, but now guess what? He's gone. That's right. He's gone. That's how we used to say it when we were little. He's gone. The angel's strong message was simple. God raised Jesus from the dead just as he said. Put a side note if, you, if you're taking notes today, Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. That's not in your notes. You need to go there and read that what Paul said to the church at Ephesus. He, he expounds upon this saying, hey, you need to know who you are and what you got, right? You've got a special prize, if you will, a special gift from God. Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. Let me continue on your notes. On the authority of God, the angels commanded the women to, capital G-O, go quickly and tell his disciples God raised Jesus from the dead and to meet the risen Lord in Galilee at the place he had planned for them earlier. As the women hurried out to be obedient, Jesus encountered them. He told them to rejoice, right? That's your word. And they did. And they worshiped him. He told them to, here's the word again. What is it? Go and tell my brothers to meet him in Galilee at the place he had planned for them earlier. While the righteous followers of Jesus celebrated their newfound hope and message, the unrighteous unbelievers crafted their diabolical plan and message. Did you know this happening today? Every time that we preach Jesus Christ, crucified, buried, and resurrected, there's a whole group of people saying, I don't believe there's a God. I believe there's a God, but you can't know him. I believe there's a God. His name is Jesus Christ, but you got to do belief, and you got to have this other stuff like those men last week said, hey, you got to believe on Jesus Christ and be circumcised. And I told you every adult male said, absolutely not. There's no amen on that, right? I don't want any part of that. And that's what people were doing. They were being offended by the message saying, wait a minute i got to believe and be circumcised. That's what the Judaizers were saying. They were trying their best to keep people away from Jesus Christ. How could they say that? Because they were circumcised how old? Eight days old, right? They'd already, they had the job done. No grown man wanted to have that done. So it would offend you. I'm not, yeah, y'all Christians are crazy. I ain't doing that, right? But Paul said, Paul said stay away from that. That's not a truth. The gospel writers said, that's not a truth. What is the truth? The truth is there is but one way. And his name is Jesus Christ. You must receive him. He comes to you by grace. He calls your name, if you will. He calls you to himself. And by faith that he gives you, you put your faith in him. He gives you the grace, his grace. He gives you the faith, and you must respond in faith and receive him as your Lord and Savior. 
Well, look what the Bible says. Jesus' disciples went to Galilee just as he commanded them. Uh, There they encountered the living Lord Jesus and received their great commission. We call it the great commission today. Jesus commanded his disciples. He didn't suggest. He didn't ask them. He commanded them. By the way, God never asked you to do anything for him. You ever ever heard people say that? I just don't know what God wants me to do. He's never asked me. He will never ask you. He will tell you. He will command you. He's greater than any general. He's greater than any admiral. He's greater than any president. He's greater than any governor. He's greater than any king. He's God. And when he says, listen, here's the cool thing about God. Everybody says, well, I'm just trying to know God's will. Are you reading the Bible? Well, I don't have time. Then you don't care two hoots about God's will. Amen? That should have been a big amen from the church, right? You know what a hoot is, right? I don't either. You just don't care. So don't, please don't, don't ever go to try to get counsel advice from the pastor and say, because you know what, first thing I'm going to ask you, have you been reading God's word? Well, no, pastor, I, I've been busy. I, I don't, I've been listening to Charles Stanley and Adrian Rogers and all these preachers I like on, on my podcast. That's not the same. Go to God, not to a preacher. And then when you finally think you know, and you, God's given you kind of this cl- little bit of partly cloudiness, then you can go to get godly advice. But go to him first. He alone has the answers. This book has the answers. Some of you say, well, I don't know the answer yet. He's already written it long before you were born. The answer is in here. Come on, church. If you're a Christian, you should know that. The answer is in here. Lord, what business do I do? It's in here. What college do I go to? It's in here. Who do I marry? It's in here. You say, well, I don't see my name in there. And that's what I used to say. It's because I was looking for me. I was self-centered instead of God-centered. And if you're self-centered, that's all you'll do is look for you, you, you. It should be, Lord, not, what is your will for my life? It's, Lord, what is your will? And when you do God's will, then he'll carry you right along with him because he's your maker, he's your sustainer, and he's your savior. He's an awesome God. So Jesus commanded his disciples to go, and it was not just go, it was in the power of his command. When he says go, guess what he does? There's a full supply that goes with you. He goes with you to the nations to make disciples, to baptize disciples, and to teach his disciples the teachings of God. And Jesus reminded his disciples as they were going, they would never, there never would be a time he was not with them, even to the end of the age. Truth about the resurrection if you're taking notes, also write this down. John eleven twenty three through 27, because time escapes us today. John eleven twenty three through 27. We'll be there in a couple of uh, months when we get back in the book of John. And here's the question I posed today on Facebook and I posed to you today. Since God raised Jesus from, from death and Jesus is alive today, what does that mean for people that live here today? What does that mean for us? Answer the question. You be the preacher for a second. Let's just take off the microphone. If all this is true... What does that mean for all people? All people. That we must receive this truth and therefore obey it. People in China, if I was preaching today with an interpreter, I would say the same thing. In Kenya, in Germany, no matter where I find myself today, I will preach the same truth because this is the same truth about the same God for those people, right? And it's the same truth with those people, and they're the same people as us people, right? No matter where we find ourselves on the planet, this is God's truth. You say, well, they're steeped in ancestry. Well, they have culture, Pastor. You understand the culture. Here's what Steak will tell me about culture. You can always use this. No, this is free of charge. In Kenya, he said, listen, we were animist. 
We believed if you died and you were a good man, you'd come back as a cow so you could actually feed your people. If you were a bad man, you'd come back as a dog so you would chase around the, the cattle, the goats, and you were a bad person so therefore you became a bad animal. And They just believed that they were animals. They believed that. He said, tell everybody you preach when you preach about when people say this Christianity blurs cultures, messes cultures up. He says, tell them our culture hasn't changed. Our culture's been purified. What Jesus does, he purifies a culture. He doesn't necessarily change a culture. There's things in the culture that have to change because God won't share with the devil. You can't, have, you can't be a witch doctor, right, and celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't throw a little voodoo and then play around with the Word of God. But you also can't gossip and call yourself a Christian. You can't complain all the time. When someone says, I can't believe this weather, don't say, don't raise your hand because most of you have said it. Don't say it to me because all you're doing is complaining against the creator who gave us the weather. Maybe he'll strike you dead. Maybe he'll put you in the middle of the desert. Maybe he'll put you in the winter up in the Arctic somewhere. Complain again. What, what, if, what if God did that? I mean, I'm so hot and he just takes you to Antarctica, right? So cold, right in the middle of the desert, 110 degrees, heat coming off the desert. Wouldn't it be awesome? He would shut our mouths in a minute, wouldn't he? But only but his grace, only but his grace. Listen, aren't you grateful for his grace this morning? His grace to keep us, his grace to save us. He made the way where there was no way for us. He gave us his grace. He gave us faith to believe. The Bible says when we become a Christian, watch this. I know y'all don't like elementary things, but I used to be a children's minister for 13 years, and I can't help myself. Do like this. The Bible says God gave every new Christian a measure of faith. I don't know how you measure, but what does he do? He gives you a measure. When you exercise that faith, he gives you, it's his principle, you can't outrun it. He gives you more and more and more and more. Lord, I feel like I, I can't manage all this. You can't, except only through his power. Amen? The one that gives it is the one that keeps you day by day. What's going to happen? I told you. The young man asked me, I don't know what I'm supposed to do in the future. I said, what happens if you found out you're going to die in a couple of weeks in a car wreck? Well, I don't want to know that. Does anybody want to know their misfortune in the future? Cancer, heart disease. Anybody want to know that's happening to you? Listen, how about live today for Jesus? Let's just settle for today. And let's walk in step today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday. Let's just walk step by step, day by day with the Lord Jesus Christ and deal with today. Don't worry about tomorrow. That's what Jesus said. Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, I do pray this morning. And I do thank you that we have this wonderful, wonderful season. We call Easter a Resurrection Sunday day coming up. Lord, we're looking forward to that day. To, really, we're looking forward to today because we're talking about it today. Lord, the power that you give us to speak the truth into people's lives they might reject us or reject the word, but Father, we know truly they're rejecting you, God. Let us be faithful in the good times, in season, out of season. Let us preach the word. Let us tell the truth. Though the word offends, though there's that group of unbelieving, unrighteous group that wants to stir the culture to hate Jesus, we know, Lord, there's this people of God called the church of God that want to stir the culture to preach Jesus. We want to see our brothers and sisters, our cousins, our aunts and uncles, our, our families. We want to see them saved for the glory of God. Father, help us to do our part no matter what.